Good morning and greetings in Jesus' name. Welcome to each of you. Glad that you are here with us this morning. Welcome to our visitors. I don't know if Glenn and Angie, if you consider yourself visitors, but uh, glad you're here with us. Looking forward to our service this evening. I was blessed by the flow of our service so far this morning. I'm always encouraged the way God, God's spirit moves through the course of a service. I was blessed by our first song. I thought it had something to do with the message for today. There was a phrase in there that said, born, if I can just, if it comes to me now, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. The first song that we sang, we, we sang Blessed Assurance. And that phrase caught my attention there, I guess because of a little bit of the message today. And if you remember the last message that I had, I talked about temptation. When you looking at the Lord's Prayer there, there's a phrase there that says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if you recall, I ended, or towards the end of the message, I closed with the, a verse from Revelation 3.21. The words from Jesus. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. So today, as I was thinking about that verse and even comments that people made about that verse afterward, after the message the last time, I was inspired to look at that more. And so today I'm going to preach about being overcomers. Can you imagine with me this morning sitting with Jesus on his throne? It's fairly hard to do that. Jesus said, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. The title for the message this morning is Born to Overcome. Larry read from there in 1 John chapter 5, and I'm specifically looking at verses 4 and 5. Born to Overcome. And there's a, there's a lot of different titles in the New Testament by which we are described as believers or as Christians, and just to name a few of them, we are called children of God, children of light. We are called believers or the faithful. We're called brothers and sisters. We're called fellow citizens. We're called the elect of God. We're called soldiers, fellow citizens. We're called sheep, saints. Holy ones. We're called the chosen. We are called the ambassadors of Christ. We're called servants. Disciples. We are called heirs and joint heirs. We're called members of the body of Christ. We're called temples. Followers. And, and the list goes on and on. We are described by many different ways. And these terms give us the definition of who we are. And in a sense, it takes all of these terms to express the fullness of what it means to belong to God through faith in Christ. Thinking of this thing of overcoming, the Greek word for overcome, and I'll try and pronounce it. I don't want to, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I, I might butcher the word a little bit. But uh, the Greek word for overcome is nikau. 
And it means to conquer, to win. It means to defeat, to gain victory. And interestingly enough, the word Nike comes from this Greek word also. And remember, it means to conquer, to win, to defeat, to gain victory. And the Greeks love this word Nike or Nikau, as it would have been said. And they actually had a goddess by the name of Nikau. And this was the goddess of victory and the goddess of triumph. And it symbolizes uh, strength and speed and triumph. And the, the Greeks actually believed that victory could not be achieved by man, but only these gods could ultimately achieve victory. And they were they recognized them as God, this goddess as being unconquerable. Man was defeated and would at times would definitely be defeated at times, but these gods, they, they looked at them as as being this God as being unconquerable. This was the ultimate God in their eyes. And they, they believed that only the gods could reach that kind of level of being unconquerable. And thinking of, of that kind of background in the ancient times, I find it rather stunning that they used that the Bible uses the word overcome. When you think of really where it all stems from. As Christians, there's this kind of overcoming that belonged only to the gods of that culture. Even in our culture today, we like the word Nike. The U.S. military forces for a number of years during the Cold War, during the Cold War they had missiles that were called Nike missiles. And then, of course, you have the Nike brand shoes that we have today. And as we know that they're supposed to lead you into victory, into any sport that you're engaged in. And this is where Nike originated from, from this goddess, which symbolizes strength, speed, and triumph. So overcomers, let's think about that as believers. God's children are to be overcomers. And we are to experience victory in our Christian lives. So I want to look a little bit at who are the overcomers. In our text there in verse 4, in 1 John chapter, or 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Or for whatsoever, or that is everyone, that is born of God overcometh the world. Overcomers are born of God. It makes it very clear here. The text is very clear with that. And they are led by the overcomer of the world. We have all been born as sinners. That's not a choice that we had. We have been born as sinners destined for eternal damnation. But you can flip that and we can all be born again and receive eternal life. And we use this term born again. And when you think and when you stop and think about that, it is kind of a fascinating thing. Born again. How can a person be born again? 
We have the account in John chapter 3, it is, where, Nic where Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And I believe that Nicodemus did that because he was afraid of what the other, the Pharisees would think about him. He was intrigued by what Jesus was doing in all his miracles. And so he came to him by night and, and he had this conversation with him. But Jesus asked him there, he responded to him by saying, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And to Nicodemus, this, this was baffling. He said, well, how can a person be born again? How is a man going to enter the womb the second time? This did, just didn't make sense to him. But we know that's not what Jesus was saying. If you read there in that chapter later on, in a few verses later, it says, Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So he was saying being born of God is God coming within us and making us a new creature. And it's through that that we come into the kingdom of God. It's not going back into the womb and being born again, but it's through God. This is not something that we can do in and of ourselves. To be born again is from God. This is something that is supernatural power. And it gives us the ability to be overcomers. That is amazing grace. Jesus referred to himself as an overcomer in 1 John or sorry, in John 16, 33, when he was speaking to his disciples, he said, he said this to them, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Jesus is really the chief overcomer. He said, I have overcome the world. First John 4, 4. Ye are of God little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you. That's us, within us. Him being within us. And that is how we have the power to overcome. I wonder at times if we mistake self-effort and willpower for, for Christ's power. And you know, we, we can do that as, as men, as people. With our human nature. Sometimes we, we try and do things by our own willpower and our self-effort. And we really forget where the power really does come from. Or where it stems from. And where the victory is won. And yes, I believe it takes discipline. And at times we need to remove ourselves from the things that are a temptation to us. But let's not underestimate the power of God in helping us to overcome. When we are born of God, when his spirit is within us, that is how we overcome things, not by our own things and the, own, the things that we come up with. Yes, we, we need to discipline ourselves in reminding what we need to do, but it is God's spirit within us that makes it possible for us to be overcomers. And I think one of the, the aspects of, of our growth as Christians is the development of the ability to overcome sin. 
And this is a lifelong journey. I am certain that these older folks sitting here toward the front, they, they would testify that. This is a lifelong journey of overcoming. It is ongoing. It is constant. And it's a process and something that we strive for as long as we're here on this earth. But it's possible through Jesus Christ. I invite you to turn to 1 John chapter 2. Just back a few chapters from 1 John 5 there. 1 John 2, 13 and 14. We'll read these two verses. As I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. The wicked one. And when John wrote this letter, he addressed Christians of, of different maturity levels. And I know there's different ways that uh, you may interpret this, but uh, I'm looking at it that way this morning, of uh, the different maturity levels and, and revealed that each level was known by a certain set of characteristics. And you, you notice his admonition to the fathers. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him. I write unto you, and then he goes to the young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. And then he addresses the little children. He especially identifies the young men twice. And I'm not sure why he does that. But it seems like he's focusing on those more because he mentions them twice. And so what does he mean? Maybe he means the young Christian, whether it's young men or women, but those young in the faith, I believe. And they're characterized as being strong. They're abiding in the word. That's how he describes the young men here. They're strong. They're abiding in God's word. This is a person that is born of God. They have overcome the wicked one. And he, and he says how they did that, by abiding, by being strong and by abiding. By being strong what? I believe strong, over being strong and overcoming temptation, the wiles of the devil, however you want to word that. But they were strong and abiding. Yesterday I received a phone call from the billboard, or Cam's billboard, billboard evangelism. I'm on that prayer alert chain and they occasionally send calls out and this was a praise and a prayer report and this was about a young man I think uh, it was saying about two years ago he called in where he was saw one of their their billboards and uh, this was a young man that grew up in a godly home had a Christian setting but he walked away from that and he got um, introduced to atheism and he embraced that and was a strong advocate of that and was going to, he called into, bill, into the, the billboard evangelism approximately two years ago, and he called to basically have a debate with them and to try to persuade them 
and convince them of his belief and how that that's the right way. But through the course of his conversation with the person that was speaking to him, he became convicted. And over the course of time, he, he completely changed his life around. And he recently called them, and he simply gave them a praise report. And this, is, this was just, I, I was so blessed by this. Here I was studying this about being an overcomer, and I received this call. But it's a picture of an overcomer. So God's spirit still moves. Sometimes people have asked, why would a good God allow us to live in a world so full of sin and with a nature that makes it easy to give in to temptation? Why would God, why would a God, good God do that? Why does God allow that? And I don't think God does that to see if we live in continual defeat. Because I, I know that God's plan is for all of us to experience victory and be overcomers. He doesn't tempt us. He allow, God doesn't tempt us. Well, I talked about that in our, in our last message. God doesn't tempt us, but he allows it. And I don't think he does it to see if we are going to be defeated, but more so to see us be overcomers. His plan for you and I is to experience that overcoming victory through Jesus Christ. Let's think of it this way. Each time that you are tempted, you face the possibility of depressing defeat or experiencing victory. It's one or the other. And ultimately, you will determine with each temptation which side wins. But God allows it so that we can experience the overcoming power of Christ in our lives. And so temptation is not just an opportunity to fail, but it's, it's an opportunity to overcome. I invite you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 37, and 30, or 37 through 39. Familiar verses here. I'm going to read these verses. Romans 8, verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul uses an interesting form of the Greek word nakao to describe, to, here he describes the condition of the overcoming Christian. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And if you stop and think about that, how can you be more than a conqueror? I mean, a conqueror is just a conqueror, right? How can you be more than a conqueror? 
and conquers is taken from the same Greek word as overcome. And so he, he took a simple word for overcome, nakal, and he added a prefix there. From, and then that, that word is hupir. And here again, I might be pronouncing that wrong. You could probably go on your, on your Greek, Greek um, Google and, and you can find actually how it says it. But I'm going to just try to use this to, to make a point. And uh, so he, he puts that thing, the hooper, hooper, which actually, and, the, and our word hyper comes from that. So more than conquerors, overcomers, and if you kind of put that all together, in our English term, you could say hyper overcomers. We are more than conquerors. He took a strong word and made it stronger. And so we're hyper overcomers. And maybe you could picture it a little bit like if you're playing a game. And, of course, when you're playing a game, ultimately you want to be the winner, right? And so if, because you like to overcome, you like to be the one that, that gains the victory. And so when you actually, what actually does take place, there is kind of some excitement. You're a hyper overcomer. You get excited about it. And so it is in our Christian life. Do we get excited about being overcomers? Are we hyper overcomers? More than conquerors, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So what does it take to be an overcomer? What does it take to experience that victory? An overcomer acknowledges the problem. Now the word overcomer implies that something stands in the way. There's an obstacle that we are confronted with. And that we have problems that we need to overcome. An overcomer is not just a person that just breezes through life and, and doesn't really face any tough things in life. But there's obstacles in the way. And an overcomer is, is a person who realizes that each day there's that possibility again to have another obstacle in your way that you need to overcome. And whether or not you are an overcomer has nothing to do with the circumstances around you. And I want to say that carefully, and maybe that can be, you, you can rule that around a little bit. I don't think an, over, an overcomer doesn't have anything to do with the circumstances around you. It has more to do with the commitment inside of you. Because we're all going to face obstacles. We are all going to face circumstances. But to overcome that, it's, a, it's about the commitment within us. Everyone has circumstances. The key is what you do with those circumstances. Because problems, we will face obstacles and problems. They will constantly confront us. And yet, it's an opportunity for us to be overcomers and to be victorious in our Christian life. Going back to our text there in 1 John Five, four and five, it refers to overcoming the world. And it says there that's, that's basically our problem. The world is our problem. And yes, I realize there's many things within the world, but that is what we need to overcome. 
And if you look back at, I read from 1 John 2, verses 13 and 14, I want to also look at verses 15 through 17. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. I'll read these. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Here it gives a description of what the world is. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. And there's many other things you could add to what the world is. The world is Satan and his plan. It's sin and it's pleasure. And it tries to confuse our value system. The world tries to destroy our Christian, with, our Christian witness. And the world tries to dilute our interest in God's word. The world has so much that tries to draw us away from who we can be and should be as overcomers. When I think of a person that was an overcomer in the scripture, I, I, I think of David. We know that David faced a lot of giants in life. And yet the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. He was a man that made many mistakes. But one of the things that he learned to do was to repent. To confess what he was involved in. To make it known. And he achieved to be an overcomer. Because of his vulnerability, I think, in the way that he expressed himself to God and, and repentance over and over again. He recognized his problems, and he, and he acknowledged them, and he dealt with them, and he was an overcomer. An overcomer affirms the promise. And Jesus, or John said this, and he, and he emphasizes it. He repeated it, that the Christian can overcome the world. I think that's mentioned three times there in, in verses 4 and 5 about overcoming 1 John 5, 4 and 5. We can overcome. This is the promise of God's word. And sometimes, I know it is that way for me. I need to focus. I need to refocus on the promise, on that promise. And when walking through a dark and deep valley, God, I need to remember that God has defeated the events of the past. And he's going to be there for the events in the future also. God will be there for you and I. David was overwhelmed by the guilt of his sin, but God forgave him. Daniel was in the lion's den, but God kept him safe. God preserved him. Jesus was in the tomb, but God raised him. God is there for all these circumstances. God is there to help us to overcome. His spirit can be within us and help us overcome. And no problem has ever been too great for God to overcome. And that's a promise that comes to each of us. And I trust that we can claim that day to day, moment 
by moment, that God is there for us. What he has done in the past, he will do it again. Through God's power, we can overcome. Then also, John mentions something here in uh, verse 4. He, he mentions a key thing about overcoming. He says this, And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith, your faith has something to do with being an overcomer. And if you think about it, all of life is lived on faith. And I appreciated what Marcus shared this morning in the devotional. I, I was inspired by that. We, we all live out of faith, whether we're a believer or not, if you think about it. Every person has faith in something. Uh, when, when you open a can of food that you, you bought somewhere, you, can't, you have the faith that it's going to be okay. You eat it, not really thinking that there's anything wrong with it. And so we, we put our faith in all kinds of earthly things. And I came across this, uh, what someone once said, said it this way. about This is about uh, uh, medical things and going to the doctor. Now, I'm not promoting that it's not a good thing to go to the doctor, but I was fascinated the way one person put it. He said this way, we go to a doctor whose name we cannot pronounce, and he gives us a prescription we cannot read. We take it to a pharmacist we do not know. He gives us medicine that we do not understand. Yet we take it all in faith. And again, I'm not saying that Medicine is wrong, but you get the point that we all live in faith whether we're a believer or not in some way, shape, or form. But where do we actually put our faith, our trust? John is not talking about this general kind of faith. That's not what he's talking about here when he's saying even our faith. But he, he describes it in verse 5. He who overcomes the world is he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That is what an overcomer does. He believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is a faith in Jesus which causes us to believe in him, to talk to him, to trust in him, to walk with him and abide with him. That faith is the key to overcoming the world. So our faith has so much to do with overcoming. Our faith and trust in God. It's a working faith. The scripture gives us the story of Abraham. We know Abraham was a man of faith. God used him in many different ways and God brought many people through him. He gave that promise. Turn with me to James chapter I'm going to read a few verses here about Abraham. I like the description that it gives here of Abraham. This is always a special verse to me. In James chapter 2, looking at verses 21 through 23. James 2, verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? 
And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. I always like that. He was called the friend of God. He believed it was imputed unto him or credited unto him for righteousness. Abraham was a man who walked in faith and he believed that God knew what was best for him. And if you, if you look at Abraham's ancestors, the Bible doesn't say much about them, but it does say that they were idol worshipers. And so I don't even know that Abraham necessarily had a large community or even what kind of upbringing that he had. But it does appear like it was ungodly people. It says that in Joshua where it describes his ancestors as idol worshipers. And yet here was a man that God called out of his country, his people. He took him to another place. And I don't know how Abraham got to know God. But obviously he had a close connection with his, with his heavenly father. Because here it describes him and James as being the friend of God. I like that picture. And quite a testimony that that leaves. And in thinking that Abraham possibly may not have that much of a godly upbringing or even people surrounding him that were believers or the, who, who walked with God. Hebrews 11, 9 and 10 also talks about Abraham there. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10. For he looked for his city, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That was Abraham. He didn't get caught up in life here. He had a tent. He kept moving around. Because he looked for a city, which hath foundations. He looked forward to a better future. He was an overcomer. There's a story about a young man who kept the faith during the pressures of the world. This was this young man, J.H. Crowell. It was, this was a number of years ago. He was a young man that went to work on a ship at the age of 16. And he was the only, only Christian on that crew of about 12 men. And before leaving home, he promised his mother that he would continue his devotions and that he would pray three times a day. Think about it. This is a young man, 16 years of age. And can you imagine out on a ship and all the pressures that he faced but those other sailors, none of them were believers. And so they soon saw that he was reading his Bible and praying. And they, they mocked him. They taunted him. And they, uh, they were mean to him. One day they tied him up and, and they beat him. Literally just beat him. And eventually they, they bound him up and cast him out into the sea. And uh, they were going to drown him. But he, he cried out to them and, and he, said, uh, he, he said, told them that they're to tell his mother that he was faithful and that he was being faithful to God. And that he died for Jesus. Well eventually they pulled him in thinking that he was dead. They pulled him in and they saw that he was, that he was alive. And a few of the men became convicted right there. Two, two or three of them became believers there. And eventually over time the captain and, and a number, most of those sailors over time became believers. Because a man... Because of one young man that was an overcomer. Quite a testimony. 
We never know what our life might tell, might say to others. How do we overcome? Revelation 12, 11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. That's a description of an overcomer there in Revelation 12, 11. And here it gives two aspects of overcoming. The first, it points to Christ himself. And then the second, it points to the life of the overcomer. The blood of the lamb has the power to overcome sin. When Jesus died on the cross, allowing his blood to be shed, he overcame Satan and sin. And so the power that overcame, the power to overcome begins and ends with Christ himself. It begins with Christ. The power to overcome begins with Christ and it ends with him. He is the overcomer. And because we are in him, we can be overcomers. They overcame them by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They were faithful unto death. If we want to be overcomers, we need to be faithful now and unto death. Just briefly here in a few, uh, for the next few minutes, I want us to look at the future of the overcomers. Just to whet our appetite a little bit to what an overcomer has to look forward to. You can turn to, to the book of Revelation and hear this book. Revelation probably has more to say about the future than any other book in the Bible. I'm going to look at Revelation 2 and 3. And we have this, the letters written to the seven churches of Asia. And with each letter, there is a description given. To each church, there was a description given to what an overcomer can experience. And so I'm just going to look at those verses. I'm not going to expound much in them. But I would encourage you to, if you're struggling, read these verses. I think they're comforting to what an overcomer can experience. And we know that these churches, they struggle. These people struggle. And so I'm just going to look at these verses that we have here. I'm not going to read the entire two chapters. But simply picking out a verse from each letter. The first one is in chapter 2, verse 7. And here it, uh, it, the overcomers are promised that they will eat from the tree of life. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Eating of the tree of life. That's for the overcomer. Verse 11 Here it is to be the overcomer is unharmed by the second death. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And I realize you could have a message on each one of these verses. So I'm not going to go to expound on, on these. Because there, there's so much that you could get from these. The next one is in verse 17. You're going to eat from the hidden manna and be given a new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saying, He that receiveth it. 
saving he that receiveth it. The next one is in verse 26. And this is having authority over the nations. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Power over the nations. Is that something that you're looking to do? Having that kind of authority? I don't know what we're all going to face. But that's what, that's what it says here. Chapter 3, verse 5. We're going to be clothed in white garments. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Verse 12. And sit with Jesus on his... I'm sorry, verse 12 talks about being a pillar in the house of God. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. Verse 21. The overcomer is going to sit with Jesus on his throne. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Just a glimpse of what the overcomers will face. And I trust. We're sitting here together this morning. And one day, can you imagine us all sitting at the throne of Jesus? How's there going to be room for all of us? Because there's going to be many more than just this small, small crowd. But somehow there's all going to be room for us sitting around the throne. The overcomers. The hyper-overcomers. I believe that's going to be a time of rejoicing. Overcomers. We won't know what it's like to be defeated after that. I trust that we can help each other be overcomers. We need each other to help, help us through the, the dark times, the valleys that we go through. But we have God's spirit within us that empowers us. And John gives us a small description in, in chapter 21. He gives us a small description of the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. I encourage you to read that sometime today. In verse 21, it says, He that overcometh, and this is in, in, sorry, in, in uh, verse 7 of chapter 21, it says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And it's the description of the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem there. Those are things that we can enjoy and experience because of God's spirit within us and, over, and giving us the power to be overcomers. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. May that be our experience and our testimony. Kneel with me for prayer.